Greetings, cyberspace, and welcome to episode 91 of the Double Density Podcast with your hosts, Brian and Angelo. Double Density, your home to tech tales and paranormal primers. Now, uh, first things first, Angelo, what I'd like to discuss with you this week is something that we brought up a couple of episodes ago uh, during our uh, year uh, wrap-up uh, 2018, looking forward 2019 with our friends Rob and Sam. Something that we talked about, one of our goals for 2019 was letting go of Facebook, and you were happy to report that you've done so. I've kept my account active for a while now and only been logging in like maybe once or twice a month. And I haven't really cared too much about it. And then this weekend, I finally just pressed the delete button. And it was actually easier to find than I thought it would be. Maybe they've made it less difficult to find because of all the criticism they had. But it wasn't too hard to find the delete your Facebook account button. But they've kept it active and it will be active for the next 30 days or so. Okay. And then after that, it's goodbye Facebook. Well, what happens is if I decide to log in, it reactivates the 30 days. So, you know, if somebody uh, is curious or whatever and decides to just check their Facebook account out of habit, well, it'll keep it. It'll keep going and going and going. Like the Energizer Bunny, but really sad. Sad and uh, not really conscious of your privacy. So I decided to do the same, uh, but my approach was a little bit different because I need a Facebook account for some work-related stuff. So what I decided to do is create a new Facebook account using my work email address and then just uh, ask the appropriate person to migrate over my credentials for certain things. So yesterday morning at work, I tried to do that, and then it asked me for a photo. I gave the photo, and then it said, "We're so for the last like 36 hours, it said, we are reviewing your photo. Until then, you're not allowed to log in into your Facebook account. What are they trying to check? You look like every other guy with a beard. I know, I know. So unfortunately, like I can't operation, even recognize you in person. Operation Facebook, uh, goodbye Facebook, is at a standstill for me at the moment as I try to migrate things over because I do need these um, uh, logins uh, to pages and stuff in order to do some admin stuff on the work side of, of things. So right now it's kind of uh, on hold, unfortunately. But my ultimate end game is the same as yours. Something interesting is like when I was poking around because I deactivated my Facebook for about a year in 2014 ish, like early 2014. And what happens there is that if back in the day it used to be like if you were because they asked you for a reason right so if you're like oh this is temporary i'll be back um they used to let you go but now they let you set a timer so it'll they force you into a max 30 day um timer and then they automatically reactivate your facebook for you oh they they, they're through the kindness of their their hearts their dark cold hearts they reactivate your facebook yeah exactly um so that is something that i noticed uh in playing with the settings this week which is very very uh unfortunate uh, speaking of things I did in the past week, though, I, uh, as you know, am a lover of all things video game speedruns. And of course, the marquee event of the year, Games Done Quick, Awesome Games Done Quick, happened um, this past week. I've probably watched, like, oh, no joke, like 30 hours of content from uh, Sunday to Saturday night. Uh, GDQ this year raised $2.43 million in uh, U.S. funds. Uh, I managed, and we'll put this in the show notes, to get my joke donation read during one of my favorite runners runs. That was kind of fun. That's impressive. You sent me the link to that, and it's kind of funny, like... You have no idea it's Brian or or anybody who's uh, who's associated with Brian. It's just a, a funny thing, but uh, he could be lying, is what I'm saying. I actually have photographic proof that I'm not, though. Oh, okay. You took a picture of yourself with the email and the newspaper from the same day? <laughs> no, not even. I had texted friends prior to doing this, and I said, this afternoon, this is what I'm going to do. And it's pretty much the same wording as I did um, before. And so uh, my friend was watching, and he started flipping out because he knew it was me. It's that or a deep fake. Yeah, exactly. I'm really just out there photoshopping uh, WhatsApp conversations for the best of, uh, you know, what's to happen and claiming joke credit on jokes I didn't actually write, which is kind of weird and sad and something that I wouldn't necessarily do. Double density. 
so originally when we had created this episode and we kind of do an outline and we talk about things and as time progresses uh, in between when we start our Google Doc and then like actually recording an episode, some things, sometimes uh, things tend to happen. Like we had the Apple projection uh, revision a couple of weeks ago and, uh, you know, like that's just par for the course for a podcast such as ours, right? Yeah, that completely screwed up our plans for that episode, but it's okay. We roll with it. We we did our uh, Apple thing and now we're doing something else today that we we just came out yesterday as of the recording yeah so we want to talk about this like infamous or famous like gillette video right about masculinity because um it's creating a lot of like a lot of interesting and a lot of toxic discourse ironically enough online we sort of wanted to unpack um some of what was uh going on in that so anyone who hasn't seen the gillette video please head into the show notes go ahead and watch it and then also um we could give like a short refresher on what it is right so basically the idea of um gillette asking men to be a more responsible kind of like basically he's kind of the main thread throughout the video right so there's a father he sees two kids fighting and he breaks it up there's a, a you know a, a man about to catcall a woman and he he a second man stops him and things like that you know there's a, a shot of, there's a mansplainer there's a shot of a sitcom going on and then like everyone laughing when the man uh lightly sexually harasses the person he's with and then like you know it cuts to um the scene afterwards where he does it and no one laughs i i like the video I have no problems with the content that's created. The only thing that bothers me is coming from this giant corporation that's sort of, you know, like, I don't know if they really care about these issues, but the fact that they're making a video that about issues I care about, it was like borderline emotional for me. It was really nice to see, like, at the end when, you know, the, the father's breaking up the kids and uh, preventing the bullying and stuff. Like, those are all positive messages. And one would think, oh, people would be saying, this is great. This is uh, something important to talk about. But no, it has, what, 300,000 thumbs down? Yeah. So first things first, I like to uh, f- like formally call you a soy boy beta cuck for this because you felt a certain way about the video. Uh, of course. Secondly, I'd like to sort the of... Snowflake. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'd like to sort of break down the different threads, right? Because you kind of touched on two or three different threads. So the first one I want to talk about is sort of like the intent um, behind the marketing agency as well as Gillette themselves, right? So uh, I do feel like it is a bit exploitative of the times in which we live in and like nakedly exploitative. Like, let's not get that wrong. These are for pro- uh, for-profit corporations that go out of their way to sort of... Um, I don't want to say use the word pander necessarily, but sort of like cater to uh, the changing times and recognizing trends and doing something about that. So while their intent may not be um, wholly selfless, uh, I do feel like the messaging was pretty apt. I, like I said, I really like the messaging of it. It makes sense to be talking about these issues because uh, what, it's just been a few months where it's like every single uh, Hollywood male seems like some sort of sex monster out there. And it's, important that we call these people out and maybe things will actually start changing. Right. So um, sort of like uh, parallel to that, though, is like a lot of people took offense to this video um, for a mere number of reasons. Uh, some people are claiming, like, it's kind of this like weird thing where people feel attacked on a micro level about this as if the video is talking to them about how they've raised their children or how they themselves act, right? So there's a lot of that going on. But if you're raising your children to be bullies and jerks and stuff, well... I really have no sympathy for your feelings. Well, I mean, like, there's the idea of, like, the classic, um, uh, sort of the classic ma- masculinity, right? The idea that you um, are a certain way because society dictates it to you, too, right? So the idea that uh, you act a certain way because society expects you to act a certain way, and then suddenly um, it's this idea of a more accepting uh, kind of society in which you can 
step in and take responsibility for the acts of, uh, and actions of others to a certain degree, right? And so certain people feel like this is a sissification of masculinity or a, a deletion of masculinity, but I don't really think it's that because a lot of people that I've spoken to about this video today have seen it and sort of agreed that like, it's just a redefinition of what masculinity is to be more uh, inclusive and incorporating. And all, as you're saying, like we're not raising bullies here. Yeah. You go tell Terry Cruz he's not masculine. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I just think it's very frustrating because a lot of the critiques I've seen online have kind of said that like, Oh, like, you know, if you take the masculinity out of people, then like um they become wusses, you know, and they become very feminine and things like that. And that's n- not at all what this is arguing. It's just saying it's, it's asking for a more, um, incorporative way of viewing yourself and your actions and as well as others, right? So a lot of people online are complaining about the fact that like, uh, Gillette is inserting their uh, SGW politics into, um, you know, selling a product. And I kind of want to touch on that very, very quickly in regards to the fact that like a lot of advertising has gotten, uh, concepts like masculinity, femininity, beauty, and things like that sort of like, um, into certain ways, right? So it's kind of the fault of advertising in the first place that we're dealing with some of this. Most of the criticism for this video is coming from people that I'm really opposed to in their way of thinking. So is is there a bias there for me that I feel that my way of looking at things is, is the right way? Of course, right? That's a bias. But uh, I, I'd like to think I'm on the right side of history here. I do think that like, uh, you know, and the thing is, we when we were discussing this today, we both felt exactly almost the same about this sort of thing, right? And it's the idea that this is a, a dichotomy. Either you're a true man or you're a soy boy beta cuck who can't handle his feelings. And you might be wondering, like, oh, this is supposed to be a tech podcast, but th- there is tech involved in this because if you look at the, the discourses, it's happening online and Absolutely. it would never happen without the the technology we have available now like a lot of the discussions about it are happening on twitter and i i just don't get how people could be so opposed to this video like i'd i'd be curious for one to explain to me why in a clear and concise way that makes sense how this is a bad thing because the takeaway um, that I've seen critics do is that like this is a destruction of masculinity in general, right? The idea that but it's we want- not. It's a destruction of all the bad things. I, I agree with you, but what I'm saying, what I'm trying to explain here is how certain people, cause I was watching a lot of reaction videos to this that sort of were explaining why they felt against this. And the big thing they were saying is that it strips uh, men of masculinity and, you know, makes them more uh, docile and peaceful. And, oh, uh, that's bad. <sighs> There's a certain kind of like realignment that is happening societally that I feel um, is shifting in the way in which we uh, as men uh, perceive and act towards, you know, men and women. Right. And I feel like it's an old guard versus new guard kind of mentality going on. And you can see it online very nakedly. Right. The thing is that like you apart from the comment section on the YouTube video, there's a ton of websites that are covering this. And as you're saying, Twitter um, allows people to jump into each other's comments and mentions and sort of like fight things out very directly in ways in which traditionally, if a TV spot aired, you may not discuss with other people. It's funny that all the critics of this video that I saw, whenever I would click on their Twitter profile, uh, they were the stereotypical MAGA person. Yeah, there's a lot of that, unfortunately. Like if you're going to do a Venn diagram, it's almost one to one. It's on a that. circle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And I, just to say, like, I, the one criticism I have is that it's coming from this major faceless corporation, right, that uh, that shills blades. And I haven't bought a Gillette, Gillette blade in years because I, I like uh, 
the bespoke uh, blades that are are given to me by Harry's that are uh, that I of course purchased because I heard of it on a podcast. <laughs> uh, so advertising does work for you very well. Yeah, I like I, I like my artisanal blades that I get from uh, podcasting ads. One of the more interesting critiques that I think is very valid is that if you take a look at the price of men's razors versus women's razors, the women's razors by unit for the, pretty much the same thing are much more expensive. So Gillette, I feel, uh, needs to fix that. Yeah, well, this is what I mean. It's So it's a good message. I'm sure the people that developed the ad are people that are aligned with our views of how the world would hopefully work. But it's coming from a company that does stuff like that. And I'm sure... If you look into their 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 past and how they treat employees, I'm sure there are certain things that we would not agree with either. No, for sure. Uh, I do think that, like you know, at the end of the day, this ad does more uh, good than harm. But Gillette is a corporation. Uh, this is just an entity that exists, right? So, yeah. It's anyway. Look, if you have anything you want to tell us, you know where to find us. We're yeah. on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Friendster and uh, yeah. MySpace. Go ahead and call us Soyboy Betacucks all you want, MAGA bros. Um, I, I, one of the more striking things that you said is, I don't want people who disagree with this ad to necessarily listen to my podcast, which I thought was kind of funny. We're not in this for the money and the listens anyway. We're just, this is just a fun thing that we like to do from uh, week to week. And some people listen and we think they like it too. But yeah, look, if you if you think this is like uh, c- catering to pansies out there, well, yeah. I don't know why you're listening to me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, moving things along, though, moving from one thing to watch to another thing to watch. I linked you to an article this week from Business Insider about why smart TVs are so cheap. And the answer might be shocking to you. Or if you've listened to the podcast, not shocking at all, right? So the idea is that you can buy a cheap TV because of the fact that the TV is actually spying and reporting on you. This makes so much sense that uh, it's insane that it hasn't really been reported before this. And... I never really thought of it that way. I always wondered, why are there no more dumb TVs? I just want a panel with four HDMI inputs where I can plug in my Apple TV and then my Nintendo and then my Raspberry Pi and I'm happy. But unfortunately, those don't exist anymore. And I'm holding on to my 11-year-old 720p Samsung that's 40 inches and has a bezel the size of like a book. I'd, I, I just want to keep it forever and ever because I don't want to be plugging into some weird TV that just wants my data. I'm not interested in that. So in the article, uh, so one of the companies that kind of um, very uh, like broadly and openly does this is Vizio. So Vizio's chief technology officer, Bill Baxter, was talking about how uh, they need to make money not just through the selling of televisions because it is a small margin industry. Um, and so selling, uh, collecting and selling your information is a great way for them to uh, open up another revenue stream, which doesn't unfortunately surprise me. I'm someone who has a 52-inch sharp Roku TV. And uh, yeah, pretty much uh, I've kind of accepted that I'm giving up some of my information to uh, these giants in order to um, better uh, serve me, I guess, at the end of the day. I did not picture you as having a giant TV like that. I thought you had just like, you know, because you're a hipster, you just have a TV in the background, there's a fireplace going on it, and you're reading a book. I can't believe I'm about to say this, but I'm a cinephile, you idiot. Oh yeah, it's true, I forgot. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The larger TV, the better. And actually, my fiance and I get into fights because sometimes she wants to watch things on her iPhone and I tell her, no, you can have the TV. And then suddenly it becomes a five-minute explanation as to why larger is better. But hey, 
Uh, and you have motion smoothing turned on, Brian? Yeah, of course I do. I actually had to actively explain what motion smoothing was. Do you remember the Tom Cruise video from a couple of weeks yeah, ago? Yeah, yeah, that's great. I, I get dizzy if I watch TV that has motion it, it, smoothing. It's very strange and artificial looking, especially if you're trying to watch something that was shot on video and the, uh, sorry, on, on film, like film, film, like 35 mil or 70 mil, and then was digitized. It's very odd to see. Yeah, well, my TV doesn't have that as uh, well uh, before that time. And. I'm keeping it as long as I can. I do have small children in the house that poke at the television. So I'm not in a rush to get a new TV. I mean, if this TV breaks, then I'm just going to buy a new one. And the models I'm looking at are the, the same brands that are mentioned in that article, TCL and, and Vizio that both use Roku. And TCL apparently makes really good TVs for really low prices. And now we know why. The trade-off is that, yeah. Uh, it's so funny because I was visiting a friend of mine this weekend and he got a really good deal um, Black Friday in the States on a TV. And then sure enough, it's because it's a TV that is a smart TV that's got apps on it. And of course, they're collecting information on that. So something interesting to note that's kind of adjacent to all this is that we're recording today on January 15th. And as of right now, if you have a Roku TV, you can install the InfoWars channel. Uh, did they not get the memo? Who knows? What is going on there? Did they, did they not notice Alex Jones get deplatformed by everyone because he's a, he's a joke? Yeah, it seems kind of weird that in 2019, we still decide to give Alex Jones a voice on a platform on things like this, because on Roku, you can install free channels, like certain ones are, are paid monthly subscriptions, but uh, certain are free, right? So if I, I'm going to turn my TV right now, okay, let's do a test of this. Okay. I have my remote over here, give me a sec. Uh, and of course, it is flashing because it needs to connect to the internet to share my information, right? Yep, I can install InfoWars. Oh, that's awful. That is awful. Also, 87 ratings, and it gives it a 4 on 5. That is 4 on 5? Wow, the, the Alex awful. Jones army is in full effect there. Roku, I'm uh, highly disappointed, though not surprised that you would do this, because, hey, maybe this is a headline grabber, right, for the new cycle. And I think that's something else that I wanted to bring up, right, is the idea of the Gillette ads kind of, because we move at such a fast clip, that within two days, this isn't going to matter anymore. Just like, you know, uh, uh, President Donald Trump serving hamburgers to football players isn't going to matter. Sorry, hamburgers, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. When people in this episode comes out, uh, there people are going to be wondering, what Gillette video are they talking about? This is a flashback hamburger. So something interesting that I kind of want to bring up about all this, because you and I were talking about this. So uh, sometimes when uh, President Trump tweets uh, I'm not sure what kind of phone he uses, but there's like an autocorrect fail, right? So he put in hamburgers this morning, which kind of confused me. I'm at a loss here. I don't know what to do anymore. I, th I still think we're trapped in some sort of weird simulation that's gone off the rails. And this one guy found like a cheat code and his character <laughs> like became president. So I don't get what's happening. We're living in his Sims game. Yeah. And then soon we're all just going to get closed in rooms without doors. Oh, perfect. Uh, I love the way that you think. It is scaring the pants off me. Speaking of scaring the pants off you, I kind of want to touch on the long-form article uh, for this episode, which is a Gizmodo article called How Cartographers for the U.S. Military Inadvertently Created a House of Horrors in South Africa. So uh, having, uh, you know, the shared notion of GPS is a great thing, right? I love GPS. I rarely get lost anymore when I'm driving. I actually don't have a very good sense of direction and GPS came along about, what, 10 or so years after I started driving, and it's been really great. Latitude, longitude, all important, uh, you know, uh, points of interest and things like that. Uh, but what happens when someone decides to arbitrarily place something in your own backyard, right? And it can kind of uh, cause a lot of problems, right? So uh, the article is kind of framed by the story of this couple who lives in Pretoria, which is um, in South Africa, kind of next to Johannesburg. And uh, they've been getting a lot of visits. They've been swatted. And basically what has happened is a bunch of uh, companies have kind of placed the GPS for the entire city that they live in right in their backyard. So anytime anything 
bad happens. And because of the fact that you can kind of link an IP to a, a co- like coordinates in a real world setting, uh, an IP kind of is a very, very faulty kind of uh, system, which we'll get into in a little bit. But because of this, this couple has been harassed on a long-term basis. They've been threatened because someone um, in the city of Pretoria has made really um, uh, crazy accusations against a Facebook page for a company and they've decided to sue. Um, and so this is a very unfortunate story of uh, what goes wrong uh, when people decide to arbitrarily place uh, markers on a digital map and turns it into a real world kind of house of horrors. It made me think back to an article we had talked about what last year or so. And then they, they I realized they did mention it later on in that they're the ones who actually wrote the article. So it, it came from the same, it was also a Gizmodo article where there was a house in Atlanta where people kept just showing up and asking questions about why their iPhone was at this location, but it yeah. was the exact same deal. This house was appearing on a database. Yeah, so the company in this case for the uh, Pretoria uh, couple, uh, the company's called MaxMine. What basically what they do is they, they map the IP addresses across the world to uh, GPS coordinates. And so what has happened is that uh, they sort of like half acidly decided to place um, the all of Pretoria in one place, and that place is in this couple's backyard. I feel so bad for these people. The thing is, is like they can't even sell the house because they, they said they'd have to disclose this information that this is happening. And I didn't put this in the show notes, but it just reminded me of something that I noticed uh, in my, in your Google, right? Like uh, in your Google what, account. When I'm doing can, my Googles, yes. Yeah, in your Googles. In your Google account, you can check where you've logged in from, where your yes. username has been used. I have, uh, you know, I have two-factor authentication and all that stuff. And I hadn't had any messages saying that something else was logged in. I was just, you know, doing a, a quick review of stuff. And I noticed that a PS4 in like the Midwest in the US was logging into my account. But it was my PS4. It's just for some reason, whatever service the PS4 was using seemed to have been generated from there. So it was using the wrong IP address, I guess. I don't know exactly know how it was working, but it ended up that I looked it up and everybody seems to have this weird location with their PS4 when they use YouTube. Now I, I looked at it just recently and it just says unknown. So there's like this large kind of like um, uh, uh, bit of disinformation out there that an IP address is not an exact one-to-one uh, mapping of your exact house, right? So best case scenario, it can kind of tell you the city someone lives in, um, not necessarily the home. Um, and, uh, you know, it's least precise as the article states. It can it just can tell someone what device they use to connect to the internet, right? So in my case, for example, my SP comes out of Toronto and uh, I map out to Markham a lot of the time, even though I live here, right? So a lot of the content and the ads that I'm getting are for Ontarian markets that have nothing to do with me just oh, because weird. of the fact that like my subnet uh, is kind of listed and stops there and it, it gets fed here. Okay. No, mine, like, so my IP address is definitely in Southern Quebec and, uh, when I don't know if you you've seen this with Apple, but when you use their two factor, you get a pop up on your devices that are authorized to show where you're trying to log in from. Yeah, it's not super accurate, but at least it gives you an idea. And I I like that. I have that with Google and with Apple, and it it tells me if somebody's trying to if like if somebody's gotten to the point where they know my password, there's still that extra line of defense. Which right, uh, we've mentioned this before, but if you can use two factor, please use it. It's exactly. huge. So I just, uh, in the article itself, there's a link to what is my IP address.com and it maps to Toronto. <laughs> no, mine, mine maps to, to Southern Quebec. So it's, it's more or less accurate, but I also use a company that's based in Quebec. 
Well, I think that's part of it too, right? So if it originates from here, chances are uh, it goes through here. Uh, this article kind of uh, more broadly though talks, I want to talk about the idea of like imprecise mapping and how uh, tech is failable because of the people behind it who make arbitrary decisions such as this, right? Well, this is such a weird idea in that it's a, it's a third party giving information to people that think they're using like a first party thing. So like one of the questions, one of the uh, quotes that stuck out with me was uh, the Apple customers seem to be the worst. So there's people that are using find my iPhone and they're showing up there and it's information that you would think would be from Apple, but it's it because it's a, it's a centralized database of this information. It's not just necessarily coming from Apple. It's the iPhone is not, it's pinging the last IP address and the last IP address seems to be coming from this house. So let's go deeper and deeper into this, right? So um, where does MaxMind get their IP addresses and, and how does it map things correctly, right? So basically, uh, a researcher did a bunch of digging around and he realized that a lot of people are pulling from the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency's website, which is a U.S. intelligence agency that maps out the world. And, and because of that, um, because uh, some cartographer decided to arbitrarily decide that this was uh, a good place to put a pin, uh, it has created this this huge immense problem for this couple, right? Yeah, and since this stuff has started happening, they are fixing these things by replacing the location to being in like the middle of a lake or nowhere near a residential spot or a commercial area, just in the middle of an open space. But this still hasn't happened for this couple. I know the they mentioned that the house in Atlanta and that farm in Kansas, those were fixed because that was a major issue that were dis- that was discussed previously in uh in similar articles, but this one seems to be the worst. Yeah, it is by far. Well, so uh, as the article notes, uh, MaxMind determined that there are over a million IP addresses uh, linked to entities in Pretoria, and they all geolocate to one place. A million. Imagine. Yeah. Imagine yeah. what's going on in a city like that where who knows what people are doing, and there's law enforcement showing up, random people, uh, uh, disgruntled Apple customers. All kinds of people are just showing up to this house that's owned by uh, an older woman and her son lives with her to help her out. Yeah. Uh, And so one of the things to note, though, is that uh, what law enforcement agencies do in these cases is that they grab IP addresses and then they approach the ISPs usually by court order to allow them to see because they have the logs as to who's connected to what specifically, right? Um, And that's obviously not shared, uh, you know, publicly. So a lot of these IP address websites kind of have like the best guess scenario, but a lot of the time too... um, it's wildly inaccurate. Like, for example, like my IP address maps to Toronto, which is clearly not the case. Uh, and so the proper way of doing things is on the uh, sort of like the vendor side of things, right? Getting that information from them directly in order to better trace things. Uh, so uh, a lot of uh, cheaper law firms will just use a website to try and figure out who where something uh, has happened and try to match up a name to a city and go forward instead of actually approaching ISP uh, in some way and trying to figure something out. Well, it's similar to what happens when... Uh some people we know get emails from their ISP saying, hey, your uh, IP address was used to download a torrent. Please don't do that or else you might get in trouble, possibly, maybe. Yeah, because you have six months usually is what, the way it works, right? It's like they keep you on file for six months. And in our case, for the, for the ISP we operate with. Luckily for me, this hasn't happened because I'm a good boy. Um, but uh, I don't know if this has happened to you, Brian. I think I've talked about how it's happened, yeah. I know, I'm just messing with you. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while, but it's happened, yeah. Yeah, so now you can start downloading torrents to your heart's content until you get another one. Yeah, because I live in Toronto, right, guys? Exactly. 
<laughs> Anyways, it's super fascinating to see how, um, uh, you know, once again, I return the idea of like the popular mechanics model of like how the future is going to be so amazing. And really it's just, it's a shitty dystopia of like sadness. And I hope you bleep out that S word, um, with a fun sound effect. We'll see what I can come up with, Brian. <laughs> Perfect. And that let's head over to the paranormal side of things. What can space be? What can it be made of? What the heck is all those lights out there? Is this just a black curtain with holes in it? I don't know. I'm trying to find out. Double density. Welcome back to Double Density. And as always, we are switching gears from tech to the paranormal. So this week, I have a bit of a pictogram for you, Angelo. I found it on the UFOs subreddit. We're going to link to uh, the thread in question over there. But it, it basically, it kind of asks like a question that you and I think about a lot. It's uh, a pictogram called, Why Haven't We Found Aliens? Why haven't we found aliens, Brian? There's there's a multitude of reasons. <laughs> yeah. And there's a lot of ways to look at it. Like first and foremost, there are people who are listening to this show who believe that UFOs, whatever they are, are likely uh, aliens. And we each fall in a different side of that discussion. Oh, 2019, I'm all in, bro. You think you're all oh, in? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm like a 3.5 right now on the double density scale on a four. Wow. Uh, I'm not really that convinced yet that UFOs are are anything alien, but... Come on, buddy. Woo! I Look, I'm still not convinced that UFOs are anything other than uh, earthly objects or misidentified things. But as I always say, I'm I'm not like completely against any ideas that it might be aliens. I'm just saying it's probably not aliens and it's usually not. So why don't we go through this pictogram and go through all eight of these scenarios and we can kind of briefly discuss all of them. And then uh, you've decided uh, for some reason to drop uh, LiveScience.com links into the show notes, even though that website is dubious at best. I feel like you have a reason for it. I'm going to let you explain what it is later. So the first, um, so the first header is the rare earth, right? So I'm going to read directly from this, this, uh, pictogram. So basically we're unique. The rare earth hypothesis argues that planets with complex life like earth are extremely rare and that intelligent extraterrestrial life is highly improbable. Hence, we are one of a kind. What do you think about that? I really don't think that's possible considering how gigantic the universe is. Maybe there's not intelligent life at the level we're at right now, but who knows what life is out there. There are so many planets, so many stars that this one is not high on the list, but they could be super far away and we'll get to that later. So even you as a skeptic, uh, kind of, uh, this hypothesis is not one that necessarily resonates well with you, given the fact that there is evidence, like, for example, like not necessarily intelligent life, but like water on Mars exists. Yeah. Well, it's like Carl Sagan said in, uh, uh, his book contact where it would be an awful waste of space that awful fraud carl sagan how dare you i'm going all in 2019 bro wow <laughs> anyways the second one uh, is called the the guy in bottleneck and uh, the text is they didn't survive the guy in bottleneck hypothesis by astrobiologist dr adita chopra suggests that alien beings are all dead they simply didn't make it life forms on habitable planets failed to emerge quickly enough to stabilize the planet and pave the way for more life is that spelled wrong is that why you read it that way Yes. <laughs> yeah, this is possible. I mean, the the universe is what uh, six, seven thousand years old. Uh, max, max, dude. Uh, like, if you're gonna, if you were to cut the like the Earth in half and count its rings, seven thousand. Yeah. So it's sixteen billion years old. The, the universe, if I'm if I'm getting my numbers right, correct? 
16 billion? Let's go with that. Okay. Uh, the Earth is 4 or 5 billion. I can never remember these numbers. Uh, but it's old. And it's possible that life started right when the universe uh, began and then fizzled out a few billion years later. And here we are many billion years later and we're around. Which I don't disagree with. I think that's an interesting hypothesis that uh, we uh, survived in ways other people couldn't for a variety of reasons. Yeah. You know, they didn't, they didn't terraform quickly enough or whatever, you know, like. It's possible or uh, who knows? Like, look, they may have, they may have started and then look, the, the dinosaurs ended abruptly. So they may have ended abruptly too. You know what? That's, that's fine. Which kind of leads into the uh, next kind of hypothesis, which is named the great filter. Yeah, that one is kind of scary. So earth was subjected to the great filter, five mass extinction events, but nevertheless evolved complex creatures. What if all habitable planets were hit with killer asteroids, scourged by solar flares, torn apart by geological upheavals, seared by supernova blasts or gamma ray burst radiation. And that all of all worlds, only earth successfully hurtled the stumbling blocks, right? So three, uh, five mass extinction events, right? Yeah, we've, uh, and people are saying we're starting our sixth. I don't doubt it at this point. I mean, we're the way in which we treat the earth like a garbage can kind of points to that. Uh, you are you uh, starting your cuck stuff again? <laughs> no, I'm just being, no, if anything, I'm being uh, a nice guy who's just saying the fact that we treat our planet uh, like it's a disposable wrapper from a uh, hamburger. Double density. The fourth one is kind of interesting. It's called the Great Silence. So it says, alas, we're not worth it. The Great Silence hypothesis posits that advanced beings who belong to a type 3 civilization on the Kardashev scale, able to harness the energy output of a whole galaxy, simply do not reach out to insignificant carbon-based humans. Why bother with type 0 bipeds? I don't disagree with this one. No, this one actually is very plausible. We're not worth it. Uh, you know, we're treating our planet like a garbage can, so of course other civilizations will judge us for that fact. And uh, this is why... Uh Sometimes I kind of get my interest peak with the whole UFO and nukes things because the these advanced aliens are like, oh, oh they, they got nukes. Uh, that's not good. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, kind of like an early warning system almost. Yeah, but look at us now. We've, we can hardly even get to the moon anymore. Yeah, we're all about drones and lasers, my friend. Mm-hmm. So the fifth one is early birds. Earth had a head start in a study. Dr. Peter Berzori said that compared to all planets that will ever form in the universe, the Earth is actually quite early. The last star will burn out 100 trillion years from now, and 92% of planets are yet to be born. We are the first, but not necessarily the last. It's kind of sad. Like, we're the first ones. We're like the older brother of the universe, and look at us. We're not doing that great. We're goofing it off. Yeah. Which is kind of sad when you really think about it. Um, this is somewhat plausible, I'd say. Yeah. The next one is not life as we know it. And the text reads, we've had it wrong all this time. ETs may not be biological beings like us at all. Noted astronomer Lord Martin Rees said that they might be machines, not organic creatures. So we should be looking for solar harvesting, non-carbon-based structures instead of listening for radio signals. So kind of like the uh, Boston Dynamic robots. (laughs) The dogs, yeah. So Okay, here's an interesting hypothesis, right? These dogs fully formed time travel to the past, you know, bait humans to believing that we've created them and then suddenly, bam. Well, it happened in Terminator. Wait, well, yes, but they were of our own creation. They weren't of an alien creation, right? These are, the Boston Dynamics things are aliens, not yes. our own creation. Yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I misunderstood. It's I was okay. too it's, excited about Terminator. Right, you get you just always want to end with the Terminator bit. No, unfortunately, uh, Terminator was, Skynet was man-based, right? So, yeah, yeah. 
But I mean, there are, there are a ton of alien invasion movies where the aliens turn out to be robots anyways. Uh, I mean, uh, somewhat plausible, I guess. Yeah, it's making me think of that uh, Black Mirror episode with the uh, uh, the dogs. Oh, Metalhead. Too. Yeah, that was a good one. It was uh, the shortest episode uh, of all and also the only black and white episode. Was it the shortest episode? It's like 38 minutes, yeah. And those metalheads made a uh, cameo in Bandersnatch. That's right, my friend. Uh, being sued by the creator of Choose Your Own Adventure Books. Which is ridiculous to me. It's not the same thing at all. <laughs> well, well, I mean, we're not in the tech portion here, so we won't <laughs> touch on that one too much. But this is uh, why the aliens don't want to talk to us. Because yeah. <laughs> of our petty argu- arguments like this. I feel like at our court system and just laugh. Yep. We live in a litigious uh, society, Angelo. We do. Uh, the seventh hypothesis is called a long road ahead of us in the text reads. Basically, we've got a long way to go and a lot more searching to do. SETI has barely scratched the surface of the radio universe. There are many more wavelengths to scan, so we shouldn't give up hope yet. Yes, high on the plausibility list for sure. Well, there's that alien megastructure that's like giving off all kinds of radio signals, right? So I love that thing. It always comes back in the news every few months, and uh, it's probably not aliens, folks. What I'm really hoping to do is that it, as it gets closer and closer to us, I want it to play the Inception theme song. And letting us know that all of life is but a dream and that we need to be woken up in order to get to the next level. Uh, the last one of these is called In a Galaxy Far, Far Away. And the text reads, 46.5 billion light years is the distance to the edge of the observable universe. We've scanned for ET signals to just around 40,000 light years from Earth. We haven't even outpassed the bounds of our galaxy, which is 100,000 light years wide. Alien intelligence can simply be too far away for our current technology to reach, which I undoubtedly believe in. Did you ever see that amazing picture of all the galaxies? And it horrifies me to think we're so minute. Yeah, it definitely does. It, it, it gives you a real sense of self there. This is why the, the rare Earth one is totally implausible to me. Yeah. Of all the things on here, it's the least plausible. One. Right. So what would you say is the most plausible out of these eight? I would say the last two are the most plausible. Okay. And uh, the most frightening are the, is the great filter. I don't like that. <laughs> like everything dies eventually. What about the robot one? Yeah, it's, it's kind of like in between. It's not frightening and it's not the most plausible either. So you just, you just think it's kind of uh, out there, it exists. It exists. I think robots still use radio signals. <laughs> yeah, uh, you uh, earth-based fallacy right there. Yeah, I know. It's We're so Earth-centric when we think about alien life. But just think of it this way. Look at the life here on Earth, and how does it not look alien to you? You go look at a praying mantis and think that doesn't look like an alien, right? Are you asking me to go take a look at one? Because I know what they look like, Angelo. Yeah. Well, just think of one. Or any of the things that we find deep down in the ocean that's like bioluminescent. That stuff was unimaginable until we discovered it, I think, in the 80s when we could finally get back that far down into the ocean. So if that type of alien life exists here on Earth, which and it's technically not alien, imagine what's out there that we can't even imagine. So what you're saying, of course, is uh, we are just but minor actors in the play known as life. So you in the show notes have included, as I was mentioning before, two LiveScience.com articles. And I was kind of curious as to why. I think I have an idea, but I want to hear it from you. The life science stuff. So you say it's not a legitimate website, right? No, there's kind of like a lot. It's a lot of listicles. It's a lot of like dubious conclusions and things like that. Well, I just thought it was funny that when I was researching for for today's show, I came across this article on life science that talks about nine reasons that 
uh, we're haven't made alien contact. And then that article links to another article that they wrote a year before about the 12 reasons we haven't found <laughs> alien. And it's just, I think it's hilarious that just between a few years, we lost a few reasons. And, uh, and this is all because they seem to always come out in the summer when it's the anniversary of the Fermi paradox, when Enrico Fermi was discussing with uh, his colleagues about how we have not discovered aliens yet. If they're out there, why haven't we heard from them yet? Which is a really good point, my friend. I think we've discussed this a little bit uh, in this episode. (laughs) This is all like a wash if you believe that UFOs are aliens and they're already been here, right? This, this, like this, all this stuff is just part of the cover up, right? Mm -hmm. That uh, we're, we're perpetuating the myth out there. And, um, like if UFOs have nothing to do with aliens though, uh, does that make us, does that make JL and Hynek wrong? And then does that alternatively make us all sad? Well, here's something that hasn't been touched on in the eight great hypotheses, uh, is the idea that, uh, the fallacy that everything emits radio signals. That's something that gets brought up often in that, it's like you were saying before, it's earth centric. Yeah. Just because we have radio signals doesn't mean that everybody else develop radio signals. It's the thing is, is math is a constant as well, right? So maybe scientists have figured that radio is a constant as well. What do you think like uh, alien math looks like? Well, it's like our math, but with a little more triangles <laughs> and, uh, Symbols that we don't understand. Because what I'm really fascinated with is the idea that perhaps out there somewhere is like, we've reached the same conclusion just through different mathematical concepts. Yeah. If you look at the uh, pieces that fell off the Roswell uh, UFO, apparently there were weird hieroglyphics on them. That could be mathematical signals uh, or mathematical things that we're very aware of. But if you held them just right, they spelled out the word mogul. (laughs) Oh, this is what we're doing today. All right. Anyways, uh, with that, we kind of want to invite people to sort of give us their thoughts on what can be out there and why haven't we been contacted yet by uh, presumably sentient beings uh, not of this planet, though some may argue that we already have been um, through, you know, uh, alien visitation, you know, and because I'm going all in this year, I agree with that. I think we've been visited. We've uh, been contacted. We've been touched. We've been talked to. We've been uh, prodded, poked. See, and I'm of the opinion uh, that we're all way too far apart. There's definitely other life out there in the universe. It's just at the other end. So what you're saying is, of course, that uh, it's out there. Let's hug it. Let's do this. It's like that one guy in the office who like is all the way through the side and you never see them. <laughs> uh, but yet when it comes time to talk about roll call, they're right there. Exactly. Perfect. Angela, I think this is a great place to end episode 91 of the Double Intensity Podcast. How does that sound to you? Sounds good to me, you cuck. <laughs> as always you can join us over on uh twitter double underscore density you can join us on instagram uh, double density podcast you can head over to double density.net to find out all the newest info all about us you can click on the contact button let us know your thoughts about alien culture let us know what you think are you all in like me in 2019 are you a sucker like angelo we'd love to hear uh you know and there's no room for nuance here right no, not at all. And I, I just have a question. Is is cuck a bad word? Am I um, am I allowed to say that on the air? I think you're allowed to say that. Okay. Well, we're allowed to say whatever we want. This is a podcast, but we... This is our we, podcast. We, yeah. We, we try to keep it uh, more or less family friendly. We have one explicit episode and that's it. That is very much it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. With that, Angela, I will uh, see you next week because you know what we're doing next week? We're doing another episode of the Double Density Podcast. Correct. We're going to be talking about the Jersey Devil fact fiction a really neat playstation game tune in and find out see you around angelo they're a hockey team aren't they goodbye angelo this is over bye
advanced beings who belong to a type three civilization are on a Kardashian scale. Uh, can I take that again? Yes, it's, uh, it's pronounced Kardashian. 